Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. A little introduction to this uh, Hosea text. This is a, Hosea was one of the prophets, Old Testament prophets, uh, around the time of uh, kind of the end of, uh, of Israel. And this particular chapter, uh, chapter 11, is, I think, just a gorgeous kind of lament and love poem from God to us. There's some extraordinary words in here. Uh, so I invite Sandy to come up and, uh, and read for us and, uh, and pray that you listen closely to these words. So. The Old Testament today is from the book of Hosea, chapter 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king, because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their city, it, cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. Our gospel lesson is from Gospel of Luke, and uh, we are, uh, as we're doing all until into the fall, just slowly reading uh, through Luke's gospel. So we pick up where we left off last time. So hear now and listen to how God is speaking to you through these words of Luke's gospel. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. 
And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And so it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. This parable has been running through my head and, uh, and become personal in some ways in the last week. Certainly, scripture lessons are always kind of bouncing around in my head. But uh, I've had a, a couple of things happen this week that are a bit out of the ordinary, not normal uh, weekly happenings, and I'll, I'll talk a, a bit more about that later on. First, I want to get into this parable that Jesus tells. There's a, a man comes to Jesus and asks him to uh, arbitrate over some inheritance that this man wants to be part of. And Jesus then tells this parable about a man who already has everything that he needs. Because that's how I read it in here, that this man that had... Uh, that uh, uh, Jesus is talking about, already had everything that he needed. Jesus says that he's rich. And his storage bins have clearly been big enough for whatever needs he's had in the past. Big enough for himself and big enough to make him rich uh, over the years. And then he is beset by an abundance. Maybe one could even say he was cursed by this abundance. Of crop. He is given this abundance, and it's an abundance of food, something that doesn't last forever. It's not gold or silver. <coughs> food, it's this temporary thing. And he's given an opportunity here, in a sense, to test his faith, or at least to test his character, to test who he is as a man. What will he do now that he has been given? this abundance? How will he respond? Which is the question that we all can ask ourselves. How do we respond? The man has had no problem surviving on what he's had before. Now he has abundance. What to do? What would you do? What do you think God might want you to do with an abundance? Well, this man fails his test. Instead of keeping only what his barns could hold, which has been enough, he decides instead he's going to raise the bar of what he will consider to be enough. He's going to raise what is acceptable and tear down his barns and build bigger ones and then rest easy because, hey, I'm taken care of. I have more than I need now. But God says... Tonight you die. And what value will all that have after you're dead? What kind of treasure are you storing up? And as I said, this scripture lesson has been rolling through my head this week through a couple of uh, experiences and questioning this question of what is the value of stuff 
our material things, the things that we surround ourselves with. And, and the first experience is uh, I had a friend that died earlier this week. Uh, Irene Foslin was her name. And when I was, uh, well, when I was born, uh, until I was about five, Irene uh, and her family lived right next door to us. Literally next door. Yards touched each other. Two houses right next to each other. Uh, and as I've thought of Irene this week, I think she might very well be the first non-family adult in my life. Uh, if not the first, she was certainly one of the very first non-family adults in my, in my life. She was sometimes babysitter, uh, and she also had kids that were about my age. She had four kids. They're all just a little bit older, but we were all... Uh, all kids together, so she was sometimes babysitter, sometimes acted as mom if I was over at her house playing. She always made sure we were safe and had snacks, uh, and she took care of us, did all the things a mother does, or, you know, at, at that time, if she saw me outside doing something naughty, she had no hesitation yelling out the window, saying, hey, don't be doing that. And then there was another family right across the street, the Swanson family, and they had five kids. They were also all uh, just a little bit older than me, but the 11 of us, my sister and five Swansons and the four Foslins, all, all hung out together as, as little kids. And they're probably, uh, I would say, all elementary age, certainly, or, or younger. And then uh, when I was five, we moved out of that house <coughs> to another part of town. So we kind of left that neighborhood, and then a couple years later, the Foslins moved to another part of town, and the Swansons moved to another part of town, but over the years we've stayed in touch in one way or another, never to the point of uh, being, you know, hanging out together or anything, but there was that bond that was forged uh, as children and as being neighbors, and that bond continued over the years. Uh, when Irene died this last week, I had to go down to Janesville to the funeral. I just had to be there. It was very important because it was Irene. You know, and I knew her family would, would also be there. And, and Irene was a, just a, a wonderful woman, very generous, uh, very faithful, uh, Catholic, which for our family, my parents grew up Lutheran in a kind of Lutheran tradition that always said you should be a little suspicious <laughs> of the Catholics. You know, we often kind of whispered it, Irene, you know, they're Catholic. <laughs> but she was okay. Okay, we got along really well. And she was really the only Catholics I knew for a long, long time. She was just loving and kind and, and generous, and she raised these four kids as a single mom in the 70s. Not so easy to do. She worked for the newspaper down in, in Janesville, and, and even with four kids, she made sure they all went to parochial school, not real cheap. Uh, you know, so they didn't have a lot in material wealth or stuff around them, but she made sure they had a good education and that they were loved and that whenever they had friends over, there was always room at the table. There was always enough food for whoever was at the table, much like this table, always in abundance, always enough. So I went down to the funeral, and a lot of the old neighborhood was there. It was the first time that we had been together, probably in 25 or 30 years, all of us kind of in the same spot. We'd met each other separately. But my sister and I were there, all the Foslin kids, two of the Swanson kids, 
uh, and even the, the Swanson parents still both alive. And they were there. The first time we've been together since the 70s sometime. And as we were in the vestibule for the visitation, we had to sharing stories and, and catching up and laughing and remembering. And this is 50 years or more of knowing each other, some of the older ones. And the scripture kept popping into my mind about storing up treasures of heaven or treasures, earthly treasures. That kept coming to mind because I, I felt in that moment as we were sharing stories, this moment, this people, these experiences, that's what really matters. Everything else was just not as important. But to be with these people and remember all that stuff that is in our storage barns. Uh, now we have storage sheds. Drive around Eau Claire and see how many of these storage places there are. And all over the country, we have, we have too much stuff. We have to rent places to store it. <clears throat> and that just doesn't matter anywhere near as much as, as these friendships and the shared lives and the shared experiences. You know, no one gets applauded at their funeral for their selfishness or their accumulation of goods. <clears throat> and then my friend Jim and his family coming as I was there Friday morning. I knew they were going to be coming into town Saturday night with an out tour in the West, and I was excited to see them again because it's been nine years, and realizing how much more important that was to me than stuff or things. Uh, those, those are the treasures of heaven. As I look at my past, I, can, I cannot think of anything I've ever given away that I miss or regret giving. But I can think of many times that I regret what I didn't give or the times I didn't share of myself or of my time when I was selfish or greedy. I can think of many times that I regret that, but I never regret any moment of generosity. And for the most part, I don't even remember what I've given away. But I remember that it's made people happy or done good things. So the man's fault in this parable here, it's not that he built barns. He already has barns, and Jesus seems to be okay with the fact that he has storage sheds for his food. The problem was that his enough that had been enough was no longer enough. Instead of sharing the excess, the abundance, being satisfied with what he had been satisfied with before, he keeps it all to himself and for his own selfish pleasure. And he does it with crops, something that's not even permanent. It's food. It's going to rot. He's not going to have that for the rest of his life. It's those friendships, experiences with people that we love and that we know, those relationships, the relationship that we build with God, time spent together, the generosity of our material goods and generosity of our time and of ourselves, the shared stories, the times of, uh, of laughter and tears, those times to share our worries and our hopes. That's what we will take all the way to the grave with us. Those are the permanent things. 
heavenly things. And paradoxically, they're permanent because they've been shared. Those are things we have given away or shared with people. They will last forever. They are what have permanence and importance. And thank God for them and thank God for the people that we get to share them with. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.